Here's something new and exciting. Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World is now on social media with uplifting slash mind-bending updates throughout the week. So please follow me on Facebook at David Sachs Spiritual Tools or on Instagram, David Sachs Spiritual Tools. Hi, this is David Sachs and welcome to Spiritual Tools for an Outrageous World. Every week we do a little couples therapy between us and God. It's a chance to deepen and explore our most important relationship. Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, we're in a very special period of the, the year right now, and it's, it's a time that I think is, 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 is either greatly misunderstood or just, uh, just a lot of question marks just uh, surrounding it. And this is the month of Av. Now, let me tell you what the, what the Talmud says about the month of Av. When Av enters, we're, we are to decrease in joy, decrease in Simcha, right? Because it's a sad time. It's leading up to the ninth day of Av, more, more widely known as Tishabav, which, by the way, is Hebrew for the ninth day of Av. You know, it's nothing so fancy. Um, but anyway, the, the ninth day of Av is, is sort of like the worst day in the entire year for, for us, historically speaking. Um, however, it's, it, like Av itself, has a very interesting uh, story behind it, which is that our teaching is that the Medrash says that Mashiach, the great Redeemer, is actually born on the ninth of Av. So, so we'll get into the metaphysics of that, like what that means exactly. Um, but here's the main point of it, is that, is that the ninth day of Av is not a horrible day that's going to turn into a good day. That's not the case. That's what you would assume hearing what I just told you, that it's the worst day of the year, but, but the Messiah is born on that day. So it's a bad day. It's going to be a good day. That's, that's not what it is. It's actually a very great day from the very outset. It's, it's, but it has become sort of a magnet for tragedy. So, so at the core of the day itself is a very exalted, happy, high day. But through basically, you know, human failings, and we'll go more specifically into what that means, um, hating each other for no reason. Um, speaking ill of each other, and all of the domino effects that, that come from just basically pettiness has sort of glommed itself around this great day, preventing this day from really shining. But it will shine again in the future. Okay? So again, at its core, at its core is happiness. But, but it hasn't become manifest yet. Because human beings, in their imperfection, haven't quite, you know, achieved what, what we need to in order to reveal all the joy that's in the world. Um, but that day is coming. So that's part of a larger thought. And let me just get to it, um, which is a lot of people think that the beginning of the world is darkness, and it, you wouldn't sort of like, couldn't be really blamed for thinking that. Um, for the reason that one of the very first verses in the whole Torah is, let there be light, right? Vayahi or. So for goodness sakes, why did God say, let there be light? Because there was darkness. So that must have been the beginning of creation, right? Is darkness. Uh, yes and no, mostly no. Because before there was a world there was God. And Kabbalistically, one of the names of God is Or Ein Sof, which means light without end, endless light. Okay? So, in other words, if you really want to get to in the beginning, in the beginning doesn't start with the creation of this world. In the beginning is before this world was created. It starts with God, and God is endless light. So, if you want to answer my question, how did the world start? The world did not start with darkness. The world started with light, okay? And that's very, that's very important because that light permeates, saturates all of creation. Now, there's hiddenness in this world, 
and it covers over that light, but it's just a covering over of the light that's there. So, so that's a, I think, a, a necessary background to understanding what I just told you about the ninth of Av, that at its core, it's light. It's, 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 it's the day that Mashiach is born. It is, it's a day of tremendous happiness. However, there's darkness that covers over it. So again, it's not a darkness that's going to turn into light. It's darkness that's going to cease shielding the light. So, so for instance, God's light permeates everything. Um, when we make a blessing over food, uh, and I'll just I'll tell you something. Um, I was on a, a Zoom call recently, and it was like a business call, right? And I was eating, you know, while while the meeting was taking place. And I was saying a, a blessing over the food. And, you know, I, I think since it was in the context of this meeting, and, you know, not everyone is familiar with blessings or Jewish or whatever it is. So I think I just sort of like, uh, you know, moved my lips a little bit um, and then said what the thing is. And then someone on the Zoom call said, wow, I know someone else who whispers to their food before they eat it. And I thought, wow, I'm a food whisperer. You know, that's like a whole nother guy. I didn't realize. Um, but, you know, sometimes, you know, you don't even know how you're being perceived. Um, anyway, so so what what's happening when you make a when you whisper to the food, right? When you, uh, when you say, when you thank God, you're not whispering to the food. Uh, you're thanking God for the food. Actually, that's one of the things I, I used to tell my kids um, when they were young, which is, you know, w- w- we serve them birthday cake and then you've got the candles on the cake. And of course, I don't think this is a Jewish tradition at all, but, you know, it's, it's kind of uh, out there in the culture, which is that, and every kid, you know, looks forward to this moment because why? You get to make a wish. You get to make a wish before you blow out the candles, right? This is a big moment. Um, so I'd always tell my kids, don't pray to the cake. <laughs> the cake is not going to answer your prayer. <laughs> so anyway, we don't whisper to the food. We're thanking God for the food. But a lot of people, a lot of people think that the food is this sort of like a neutral construct. And when I say a blessing, I turn it from this neutral spiritual construct into something that's blessed or holy. Okay, that's kind of what most people think. Um, But it's not the case. It's actually much deeper than that. There are sparks of holiness within the food. Because again, God who preceded creation bathed all of creation, saturated all of creation with his light, and that light goes through everything in creation, which means there's sparks of holiness in everything, including inanimate objects. And so when you're making a blessing, what you're doing is revealing the holiness that's within the object itself. You're not transforming it into something holy. You are revealing the holiness that's there. So imagine, you know, you take a shower and the window, the mirror is all steamed up and then you clear the fog off the mirror and now it's clear again. So that's what it is with when you make a blessing over food. It's sort of like there's, 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 there's fog over the mirror, meaning to say the, the physicality of the plum is obscuring the sparks of holiness within the plum. But when you make a blessing, you openly acknowledge and reveal and publicize that this entire plum is saturated with God's light and was from the very beginning. You see how it works. So this is very important to think this way, because you have to see light everywhere. You have to see light everywhere. And this is part of the the redemptive process of going through life. And of course, the greatest application the highest application of this is to see light in each other, to see the soul and the goodness in each other. And then when you see each other as rays of light, as emanations of godliness, encrusted with maybe some really annoying traits, 
you're actually speaking to the essence of the person when you're speaking to their light. So that's, that is, that's one of the ways that we fix the world and finish the world, right? Not to be fooled by the darkness. You know, um, uh, I had this experience, maybe, maybe you, you remember it. I, I stepped on a scorpion fish. So this scorpion fish is, 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 is really, it's a deadly fish. Um, if you want to hear a talk, I, I, I have it uh, online. Um, I don't know what I called it. Something like, I stepped on a scorpion fish and almost died. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, anyway, it's, it's, it, I recount the entire ordeal of it. And it's, um, you know, whatever. If you're, if you're interested in hearing more on this, on this topic. But, but here's, here's why I'm bringing it up. I spoke with a doctor and I was in absolutely, by far, no question, the worst pain of my life. Um, they say that the, the, the poison is as toxic as if you're bitten by a cobra, right? It's really, it's a, it's a, it's a deadly event. Um, and I, I can't even tell you how much, I was in wild amounts of pain. It's like the only thing that I can compare it to is like there were someone asked me like right afterwards, how would you can compare it? And I, th- these are the two things that I told them just, you know, one was as if I had put my foot in a fire and left it in the fire. <laughs> that was one way of describing it. The other way I described it was I had put my foot in a bucket of acid and left my foot in the acid. That's how much it hurt. Okay. So anyway, this doctor told me, you have to come and see me. And he was a 20-minute ride away with my foot in a bucket of acid. I got on the freeway, and I, I, I don't know how I made it. And I asked him, I said, what? what if I can't drive anymore? He said, then just pull over to the side of the road, and I'll come and get you. And there was at one point where I was now off the freeway driving toward his office and my hand started becoming numb and I realized that the poison was traveling up my body. And, you know, the heart is next, right? So anyway, he left his office and drove and got me and drove me back to his office. Unbelievable. But again, what's the point? The point is, is that For most of the time I was driving, I kept on saying, God, if I know the darkness is from you, it's not dark. If I know the darkness is from you, it's not dark. And that's one of the teachings of the Kutzka Rebbe. And I said it over and over and over and over and over again. So, understanding that God's light permeates and preceded the creation of the world, and that at the core of absolutely everything is just light, but there's darkness that covers over the light. This is a very important understanding if you're going to be able to get through life successfully. And again, the primary application of this is really to see not just the light in creation, understanding that this is a good world, right? But it's still, we're still in the middle, right? One of my absolute favorite teachings, Reb Shlomo said it about wine, right? He said, everybody loves a finished product. He said, people love you when you're a grape, and people love you when you're wine. He says, but do you know what a grape has to go through to become wine? How much it has to be stomped on? Right? He says, who loves you when you're in between? He says, those are your real friends. And I, I wanted to add on to this teaching, which is right now the world is in between. Right now, the... The Zman Atikun, the era of perfection, what we call Mashiach, isn't here yet. So, 
So who loves God while the world is still broken? Those are God's real friends. That's that, that that's what it is. So how do we do it? How do we do it? And 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 the answer is you 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 see that the core of creation is light, not darkness that's eventually going to turn into light, darkness which is going to fall off and reveal the light that was always there. If, uh, we're talking about maybe this sounds like a nuance to you, but believe me, this is not a nuance. This is this is a completely different paradigm. Okay, so. All of this is 10,000% related to the month of Av. Um, But we're going to go deeper. We're going to go deeper. So so let's take a couple of steps back. Um, We're still on the same subject. But I want to talk about um, this month. And again, remind you, one of the differences between the way Torah understands the world and the way science understands the world is that science sees time itself as a neutral entity, or, or time is parv, meaning to say, you know, this moment is no different from the next moment, or the previous moment. You might have emotions, which you're projecting onto the moment, which makes it seem like this is a great day, or this is a horrible day. But at its core, from a scientific level, time is just time. It's just, it's a, that's, that's it. However, the Torah says otherwise. The Torah says, you know something? Time actually has a personality. And that 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 Shabbos is different from the six days of the week. And that Yom Kippur is different from all the other days of the year. And Pesach is different from all the other days of the year. And so and that each month has a different personality. Now, I want to emphasize one point which is that and there's a Torah commandment, a Torah prohibition, that we can't attribute power to times. In other words, that would be getting into the gray area of idol worship. If you think that because time has a personality, this could be a good time, and therefore this time or this month has power in and of itself. Do you understand the danger? It's, a, it's a, like a slippery slope, and a person could get to that that thought very easily. So we don't say that. We say only God has power. God is the only power in the universe. However, time also has different personalities. That's all. As long as you can balance those two ideas, you're, you're on the right road. Okay. So, so let's get back to this month of Av that we're in right now. So the Talmud says, when the month of Av comes in, you are to decrease in joy. And then it says, when the month of Adar, which is the month of Purim, which is, as we know, a great a month of great salvation, when the month of Adar comes in, you are to increase in joy. So you decrease in joy right now. You increase in joy in Adar. Now, I wish I could tell you who said this, because it's one of my favorite Torah thoughts. But the Talmud could have said something different. It could have said that when the month of Av comes in, that we increase in sadness. Do you hear? Do you hear the difference? It says decrease in joy. It could have said increase in sadness. So, so, so in other words, now with that sensitivity, with that sensitivity, listen again to what the rabbis say. When Av comes in, we decrease in joy. When Adar comes in, we increase in joy. So here's the thought. It's always about joy. (laughs) We're either increasing our joy or decreasing our joy, but it's always joy. Do you understand? Because joy is the coin of the realm. It's it's about joy. Okay, now there are different manifestations of joy and how you exhibit joy and everything like that. But if you understand, even intellectually, like joy has an emotional component to it. But let's say that you can't get to that emotional component because for whatever reason. But if even the Malbum says, even intellectually, if you understand there's a God and that God is running the world, that falls under the category of joy. <laughs> if you truly understand that, even intellectually. So you, 
Ideally, the mind and the heart are together, and this realization is manifesting itself with a smile on your face. And by the way, if you're not in a good mood, one of the ways to trick your body into being a good into being in a good mood is to actually smile, even if you have to you have to like wrestle physically wrestle the the smile onto your face. It's it it tricks your brain into firing off endorphins because the brain goes, oh, he's smiling. <laughs> I, Fire off the endorphins. And then now all of a sudden you are biochemically given the means to achieve this, 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 this state of joy. Because there are these muscles and these muscles trigger, trigger these, these um, biochemical elements. It's interesting, right? So, so anyway, the point is, is that Joy is more than being in a good mood. Why are the why is our why why is Torah so into joy? And there's a reason, um, because joy puts you in a place of expanded consciousness. And when you're in a place of expanded consciousness, that's the opposite of tunnel vision. You know, tunnel vision is. I can't believe he said that. How could he say that to me? Where did he get the chutzpah to say such a thing to me? And all you can think is that about that one thing. That, that's called tunnel vision. That's a narrowing of the mind where it completely takes over your consciousness. There's one point that you're annoyed with. Okay? So, so that's, you can't be in a happy state when you're just focused on this one thing, especially when that one thing is, in, is a point of negativity. But joy allows you to be in an expanded state of consciousness where you're seeing the entire universe and all the blessings that you have and all the good. And then if amidst the fact that there's a universe and you're alive and you've got eyes and a mouth and hands and, and, a, and a beating heart, and this guy said that annoying thing, and you've got food and chocolate and all these other things, then, it's, then this point of contention is just one of a multiplicity, an infinite variety of things before you, and then it doesn't upset you so much, you see? So, so, so joy allows you to get through life because it allows you to have perspective, a grander perspective, because it's lack of perspective, which is constantly trying to undermine our state of mind and put us, God forbid, into a place of depression. Okay, so let's get back to Av. Right, let's drill down on the actual month itself now. So there's a Torah principle that there's a Torah principle that the the very righteous, right? The extremely righteous live full lives. And that's that's how we know, for instance, that Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, left this world. On his birthday, Zion Adar, the, the seventh day of the month of Adar. How do we know? Because the righteous live full lives, which means all the days of their life are complete, which means they don't check out in the middle of the year. So, so a sign of really someone's holiness is if they end up dying on their birthday, right? That sounds like maybe a morbid thought for us birthday fanatics, right? By the way, I'm amazed during the course of my lifetime, and I don't consider myself so old, that birthdays have become like so dominant in our culture. I think a lot of that is like Facebook, but I, I don't know. But now people have birthday weeks and birthday months, which is like quite amazing to me. Anyway, so the thought of dying on your birthday, I think, would for, for contemporary years might say, years might sound like a very like bizarre negative thought, but from a spiritual standpoint, it's actually a, a, a great a great thing because it means that you lived out the completion of your days. Okay, so there is one yard site. Remember, yard site means the day that a person leaves this world, um, meaning the, the day the person died, okay, their death day, right? But but since the soul lives on, we, we don't say that. We say, you know, the person is nifter. That's, that's the Torah way of, of, of saying it, meaning that, that means left, right? You just 
the person just left their body, they left the realm of this dimension, but we 10,000% live on and continue to be us, just not in body form, that's all. So anyway, um, only one Yertzah is mentioned in the five books in the Torah, only one, by date, only one. And that's the first day of the month of Av. And it's Aaron HaKohen, Aaron the high priest, Moshe's brother. That's the only art site mentioned in the Torah. Um, so that was yesterday, by the way. So, so that being the case, we know that Mo- Moshe and Aaron were similarly, spiritually speaking, at the same level. Moshe had more to accomplish, so he, his, his sort of life seems grander than Aaron's did, but Every one of us has a different task and a different mission. And if you complete your task and you complete your mission, then you are one of the greats, right? So given the fact that we know Moshe lived and died on his birthday, and that Aaron, in his own way, was an equal to Moshe, then that means what? That means that Aaron was born on the first day of Av. <laughs> That's what it means. This is, this is Rabbi Frimer speaking, the Eretzvi. Okay, this is just what we know. Now, what attribute does Aaron have? What, what was he spectacular at, right? What, what, what is he known for? And the answer is making peace between people and love. Okay, so he is Mr. Peace and Love. So since he's born on the first day of Av, that tells you about the month of Av. That tells you that Av is a month of peace and it's a month of love, okay? Because everything goes by its beginning. That's the DNA for something. That's why, by the way, the, the Zohar says that the entire Torah is contained within the word breishis, the first word of the Torah. Okay, everything goes by its beginning. You know, in the business world, we say you only have one chance to make a first impression because everything goes by the beginning, okay? Um, by the way, let me just tell you something for those of you who are out in the dating world. Don't stress out over that. Because <laughs> if that's your soulmate who you're meeting, whatever you wear, however you look, that will be the right, that would, that will be the thing you were supposed to wear and the way you were supposed to look. Okay? So, so if you just come in from the rain and it just messed up your hairdo, it's sort of like, oh, it's so great. You know, she, her hair was wet with rain, you know, it'll become this, this thing of poetry, you know, so it, there's, there's no wrong version of it if it's the right one, okay? So, but nonetheless, nonetheless, you know, you know, ideally, if you're trying to get a job, you should not have ketchup on your face, you know, that's, that's something, <laughs> look in a mirror before you meet the person, you know, that's, that's, that's a good thing to do, okay. So, anyway. Everything goes by the beginning. And maybe, practically speaking, um, another great example of this is how seriously we take Rosh Hashanah. Because Rosh Hashanah is the first day of the year, and we say it contains the DNA for the year. Okay, so a person really has to really try to get it right for Rosh Hashanah. Um, okay, so so I, I bring all that to you to tell you that since Aaron who is the embodiment of peace and love, um, is born on the first day of Av. That is telling us something very essential about the month of Av, which is that it's a month of peace and love. Now, given that, I'm sure all of you have the same question, <laughs> um, which is, what do you mean? Av is a horrible month. What are you talking about? Av is the month where the temples are destroyed and where, you know, every tragedy has happened to the Jewish people. How can you tell me that, that Av is a month of peace and love? Well, <clears throat> let me give you one more argument for it, that it is true. And by the way, it is true. It is, 100% is true. Um, and let me, let me give you one more support for how we see that it's true. And then I'll address 
the big question that you all have, which is, why is it, why is it this, you know, month where we've experienced such hardship? Okay. So one more support to show you how it's a month of peace and love. So the Maharal teaches that if you want to know when the fullness of the personality of the month reveals itself, it's on the 15th day of the month. In other words, again, time has a personality. It's not just this steady state thing. So you may have said, okay, so months have personalities, but within the month itself, it doesn't have a personality, does it? So the answer is, yes, it does. By the full moon of the month, when the light is shining the highest, that's when the quality of that aspect of the month is most revealed. Okay? So I'll give you a couple, I'll give you one great example, which is that the first month of the year is Chodesh Nisan, the month of Nisan. And the 15th, that's the month of miracles. Nisan has the word Nes in it, which means miracle. The 15th day of the month is Pesach. That's, that is the day where we leave exile. That's like the most awesome day, right? And that's on the 15th day of the month. In other words, the fullness of the miracles of that month manifest themselves on the 15th day of the month, which is Pesach. Okay, so now let me give you another example of that. Av, what we're talking about right now, we're saying it's the month of love. Well, that means that the fullness of that love is going to manifest itself on the full moon of Av, which is the 15th of Av, which also goes more popularly by another name, Tuba'av. Tuba'av is one of the days the Talmud says is one of the two happiest days of the entire year. The other one being Yom Kippur, which, you know, confuses some people because people think Yom Kippur, I'm fasting, I'm clopping my chest. Like, how is that a happy day? And the answer is your soul is being cleansed, which is that's as happy as it gets. Right? So, so, but Tuba'av, let's, let's go a little bit deeper about that. Tuba'av, the 15th day of Av, is a month of tremendous joy. Now, the um, Gomorrah uh, tells us all sorts of different events that happen on Tuba'av. Um, the one that's most widely known is that the maidens, that means the, I guess, the unmarried women, the maidens of Jerusalem would, would dance at night you know, in the hills of Jerusalem with each other. And the men would come and they would sort of like see, you know, maybe my soulmate is there. And they would go and they would start talking and meeting each other. And introductions were made and and people would get married. By the way, interesting historical note. Shaul HaMelech, the first king of Israel, that's how he met his wife. He met his wife at a Tuba, Tuba Av event, the first king of Israel. So lest you think that that was not something that the cool people were attending, <laughs> here you have the first king of Israel meeting his wife at an event like that. By the way, for what it's worth, completely separate subject, I met my wife at a Jewish singles party. So believe me, in a, in a million years, I never thought that that would be the place where I would meet her on Christmas Eve, no, no less, okay? The... the it wasn't what they call a matzah ball, they, they, but, but, but it was at a Jewish singles party thrown on that night since uh, it's a day off for, for most people. So anyway, but it was more involved than that. It, it's, they would dance in white dresses. And one of the coolest things, one of the coolest things is they wouldn't dance in their own dress. They would borrow dresses from one another, which is so interesting. You know what it means? Let's say someone had like a really nice, like, you know, designer. I'm sure there were designer gowns back then, you know. Let's say someone had like a designer gown on and they're, they're dancing in that, you know, in the hills of Jerusalem under the full moon of Av. But maybe they were really poor. And they couldn't afford to dress like that in a million years. So if I'm a guy and I'm showing up at the event, there are certain assumptions that I can't make. I'm looking at the people, but maybe 
Maybe she borrowed that dress. How do I know? So do you understand what that means? That means I have to look a little bit closer and I have to get away from a lot of the superficial type of looking that I normally do. While we're on the subject, let me tell you a bit of advice my wife gives. And I think it's wonderful advice for all of you searching for your soulmates, which is to make a list of the attributes that you're looking for. Now, that that might sound like a very obvious thing to do, but um, let let me tell you what's so, in my opinion, so ingenious about it. Um, is because sometimes, let's say, okay, I'm going to make my list. Here's, I'm just kind of making this up, but let's say kind, right? By the way, my father was a psychologist. He he practiced with for over 50 years. And he, he used to tell me this story that once he had this, um, you know, client, patient, whatever it is, and he was talking about, you know, what kind of man do you want to marry? And this woman said, well, I want him to have a really good job and I want him to, you know, look a certain way and this, that and the other thing. And, you know, my father listened and then he said, well, what about being kind? What about being patient? And she said, oh, well, I'm assuming all of that. And my father said, you can't assume that. (laughs) I, I, I think my father just told me that once, but I never forgot that. So let's say you make your list and make sure that you're not assuming these things because that's what's going to make a marriage last, those those things, you know. So let's say I put kindness, sense of humor, um, you know, patience. Let's say those are on my list. Okay. Now let's say, uh, and, you know, those can go on and on. And by the way, according to Jewish law, you have to see a person before you marry them. See, there's one, there's, there's one really weird, like, irregularities. <laughs> it's not irregularities. It's just surprising aspect of Jewish law, which is that you do not have to show up to your own chuppah. Neither marriage partner has to show up to their own chuppah. You can send an emissary, a shaliach, to get married for you, according to Jewish law. And now, listen to this. The Talmud says... Do you know what a really bad shaliach is? Someone who you send to marry someone on your behalf and marries her instead. <laughs> so <laughs> that is permitted. And as such, it's probably a good idea to show up to your own chuppah. <laughs> but, but anyway, anyway, you cannot send an emissary to marry someone on your behalf unless you have seen them first. And that's because there has to be a basic attraction. Okay? So so don't think, while I'm talking about superficial qualities and everything like that, don't think that, that, that you're a, a horrible individual if you feel as though you need to be attracted to the other person. No, that actually is, that's Judaism. Okay? So, so um, you know, does that mean you have to marry the, the top model in the world? You know, you know, you could take things too far, but that basic attraction has to be there. So just you should know that you're, you, you're not a horrible person if you want to be attracted to your spouse who you're supposed to be. Okay, great. So anyway, here is the point. If you make your list and now you meet the person and now you go, you know what? They have this incredibly annoying quality. Fill in the blank. But you say, but wait a second, they're also kind <laughs> and they're also patient and they also have a great sense of humor. You will not throw them aside for these more superficial reasons that you might be accustomed to going past on a person for because you'll you'll have a list and you'll have a perspective because no one's perfect and you also have annoying qualities right so 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 that's that that's to me the greatness of having a list is is maybe not so much because you 
have to find those qualities in the other person. That you might do maybe intuitively. But you won't throw them away if they do have those qualities. Do do you understand? I, I hope I'm explaining. Is that clear? Okay, hopefully it is. So, so a lot of that was captured in this idea of trading dresses. So people had to be able to see past the superficial. Okay. So there was, let's move on to the next part of this, because I want to explain the greatness of Tuba'af, okay? What happened on the 15th of Av. Historically speaking, the, the tribe of Benjamin, Binyamin, did this horrible crime, and I won't go into all the details of it. It's just a shocking, horrible murder. Horrible, horrible. Okay? So shocking, so shocking, that the other tribes of Israel said, you know what? We're not marrying anyone from the tribe of Benjamin anymore. Basically, the tribe of Benjamin was excommunicated among the Jewish people. And this happened for like a good period of time. It was on Tuba'av, the 15th of the month of Av, that they decided, you know what? You can marry someone from Benjamin again. So in other words, it was a marriage day, Tuba'av, not just between man and wife, but it was a day of unity among the Jewish people as well, where the Jewish people got back together and became one as well. And there are other things that happened on Tuba'av as well. The 40-year decree of dying in the desert ended. So the wandering, the decree that we had to wander in the desert before going into Israel ended. Okay? And there are other things too. So Tuba'av is a really super happy day. And again, it's the full moon of Av. And the full moon reflects the essence of the month. So from this you see that Av truly is a very happy month. Okay. Now we have to go back to our big question. Why then is the ninth of Av, this day of tragedy for the Jewish people, why is that in the month of Av? And it's because of this spiritual, you know, th- there are laws of physics in this world, and there's a, there's a physics to spirituality as well. In other words, spirituality has its, its own laws as well. Um, and Newton talks about how for every action, there's an opposite and equal reaction, right? So, so the, the example, they have the, this, this thing called Newton's cradle, those metal balls. So if you kind of hit one of the balls, then one of the balls goes up on the other end. If you take two of the balls and you hit the, the line of balls, two of the balls go up on the other ends. You go take three of the balls, three of the balls goes up on the other end. Okay, so that's, that's the law of every action has an opposite and equal reaction. Okay, one of the basic laws of, of this world. That exists in the spiritual realm as well. If you have the presence of love, it's going to be a magnet for hatred. And because this month is the month of love and the month of peace, it attracts the opposite energy which is hatred. Okay. We're still in the beginning. It's, 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 it's deeper than all of this. Okay? But we have to kind of get the basics. You see, the hatred comes to us when we hate each other. That, that's what it is. When we hate each other, that's what attracts the hatred to us. You know, Reb Shlomo said that a person can't understand joy, doesn't know what joy is, unless you can have joy in the joy of others. Do you understand that? You don't know what joy is unless you can have joy for other people's joy. A lot of people hear good news, like someone had some good news, and you feel like it came out of your pocket. It didn't come out of your pocket. It costs you nothing. Their happy occasion costs you nothing. 
And if you see the light in another it costs you nothing. And if you see the light in another person, then you understand that all of us share one soul, which means a person has to acclimate themselves that when they hear good news about another person, that they themselves experience it as good news for them. In other words, a win for them is a win for you. Do you understand? Because you share the same soul. So when you hear that someone else has had good news, an appropriate reaction should be, yay! (laughs) Even if you have to come from a selfish place, which is that it happened to me. Right? Good news for each other is good news for ourselves. And we have to, we have to look at the world that way. Because what that does is, you know, they say that uh, in football, there's, a, there's an expression, which is the best defense is a good offense. You know what that means? The best defense is a good offense, which means that, you know, how do you win a football game? You have more points than them at the end of the game. So how do you get more points than them? Well, you, you can stop them from scoring points. That would be a good defense. So they have very few points. So all you need is, you know, slightly more than that, and then you'll win. I will stop you from scoring points, and then I'll be the winner. But that's not the expression. (laughs) The expression is, the best defense is a good offense. If you want to have more points than them at the end of the game, you yourself should score a lot of points. Score a lot of points, and then you will have more points than them. In other words, if you want to stop yourself from hating other people for no reason, don't say, oh, I gotta control myself from giving them a bad eye or hating them for having something that I want. Celebrate their achievement. <laughs> Be happy because you share the same soul and it's good news for you. That's what it means. The best defense is a good offense. If you're positively inclined, you will overwhelm any negative attribute within yourself. That's that's the idea. Okay, so now I want to tell you a story um, that happened to me yesterday. <laughs> something crazy, something crazy. You know, I see there are a couple of people here who, who are there, so they'll, they'll vouch for what I'm telling you. Anyway, let me take it from the top. The, 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 the happy minion these days doesn't, doesn't have a location. So we're, right now we're meeting in different people's backyards. And uh, we were in someone's backyard yesterday. And I was kind of giving a little talk before we started, uh, started davening, started the service. And sure enough, you know, we had been chatting and it was sort of like, well, let's kind of learn something together. So Sure enough, as soon as I opened up the, the Chumash, the, the book of the Torah, right next door, this very loud lawnmower started like mowing. <laughs> like at that moment. And, and here you have this, again, this spiritual principle that we're talking about, about the month of Av, that because it's the month of love, it attracts this negative energy. But not just from the outside world, because we're being negative with each other. And then we're the ones who pull in that negativity. And if we increase positivity between each other, then the fullness of the light of the month of Av will reveal itself. Okay? But anyway, I I sort of laughed that as soon as we started learning, it was like this overwhelming noise of this lawnmower started. And and it reminded me of this story from the Chofetz Chaim, this great, this great story, um, which is there was a a, a, a shopkeeper who didn't have any customers, you know, which is, you know, you know that's trouble. That's, that's not great. So he goes to the Chovetz Chaim and he, he asks him, he says, you know, I, you know, I haven't got any customers. So the, the, the um, Chovetz Chaim said, okay, while you're in your shop, open up a Torah book and learn Torah and you'll see people will come in to distract you. <laughs> as soon as you open up the book, you're going to get customers to stop you from learning. By the way, I heard that same, you know, I know a lot of people have trouble falling asleep at night. Um, so this same advice works if, you, if you're if having trouble falling asleep. 
when you have your head on your pillow and you're having trouble falling asleep, start to learn Torah. And the Yetzirah is going to say, you know what? If he's going to start learning Torah, I might as well let him go to sleep. <laughs> Believe me, I've done it. It works. I have. I can. I, I, I attest to you that this works. Um, you know, my my uh, wife's grandfather was a great Torah scholar, and he learned sixteen hours a day, sixteen hours of Torah a day. And the custom back then, and he was one of the people who did it, an amazing thing. He would, he would learn with his feet in a bucket of ice water. And that was a practice among Torah scholars, to have your feet in a bucket of ice water so that you wouldn't fall asleep. Isn't that amazing? Um, anyway, so, so, all right, eventually the lawnmower stopped and we... And we learned something. All right. So, so a little bit later, we're, yesterday we read through the 42 journeys through the desert. And the 42 journeys are, are amazing. These are the stops that we made from going from Egypt to Israel. And there is a ton of Torah on the 42 stops. Many years I've given whole classes just talking about different ways of understanding these 42 stops. Okay. But basically the idea is from the Baal Shem Tov, that all of us have 42 stops in our own lives as well. And how you measure those stops, in other words, this is just me talking. This is my own interpretation. I, I don't think it just means that I went from New York to California um, or I moved from this apartment to that apartment. I think that there's something a little bit grander about it, in, in, in my understanding, which is it can be talking about spiritual levels it can be talking about relationships. It can be talking about jobs, right? And that these are all milestones that, that comprise the 42 journeys. Okay. By the way, the Eretz Svi says, after we leave our bodies, there are 42 journeys. Okay, ascending the spherot. So that's, I won't go into the details now, but that's the basic idea. In other words, this idea of the 42 journeys repeats itself after we leave our bodies. Very interesting. Okay. So we're about to start reading from the Torah. It's in one section. It was in the fourth Aliyah yesterday. The 42 journeys. And I heard someone say this once. It made such an impression. So I kind of spoke for two minutes before we started that Aliyah that contained the listing of the 42 journeys. And I said over the following, you know what? If you want to follow along and you know, read the words along with the chazan, you know, the, the laner, the person chanting the Torah, that's great. But if not, use this time to meditate that all of your travels and all of our travels in life should be blessed. Right? Any, any, any troubles that we have, all of our journeys to that, that next point in life that we're trying to reach should go smoothly and in a blessed way. I said that, and as soon as we started reading, a helicopter started circling right above our heads. <laughs> Deafeningly loud. So that no one was able to concentrate. Or if you were able to concentrate, you really had to do a big effort. And it kept circling and kept circling and kept circling and kept circling. And someone made a joke that turned out not to be a joke. They said, I wonder if it's going to make 42 circles. <laughs> you know something? If it made 100 circles, I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't stop. Then what do we find out? There's a felon that's loose and wanted by the police on the block. And that the block has been cordoned off. There's a police car in the beginning of the block and at the end of the block. You know, this is scary stuff. I mean, this is a potential, God forbid, hostage situation. So then the police advise us to move into the house. And we had to wheel everything into the house. And then we had two guys who were former soldiers. Israeli soldiers, young guys who like, you know, kind of 
look like your average guys, but you would not want to mess with them, okay? And they made an announcement. You know what? If any trouble starts, just get on your stomach, put your hands behind your head, and we will take care of them. (laughs) It's the only time I've ever heard those words. Lie on your stomach and put your hands behind your head and felt good and comforted at the same time because I knew these guys would absolutely take care of that guy. So, so it's wild just to see this stuff played out. It's, it's wild just to see it played out right in front of your face, especially when, when you're teaching about it in the moment, you know. Then, after we finished, we went to leave the house, and the police say, no, you're on lockdown. You have to stay in there for another half hour. We're bringing in the sniffing dogs to find the guy. <laughs> Can you imagine And at the end of the process, they caught the guy. They got their man. Everyone went home. So, so again, we'll just wrap it up. Uh, You see, a lot of people don't understand this period. And, and I feel like I only understood it for the first time in my life this year, which is we have Purim, then we have Pesach, then we have Shavuos. It's just like this. We're going higher and higher and higher till we get to the Mount si- top of Mount Sinai, right? The Torah is coming down from heaven. We get to the highest place. And then after the month of Sivan that has the receiving of the Torah, all of a sudden we crash with Tammuz and Av. It goes from bad to worse. But I don't think that's what's happening. In fact, I'm sure that that's not what's happening. You know what's happening? God is getting even closer. But when God gets even closer, then we've got to up our game. Because it means that the light is getting even stronger. And you know something? There's just this kind of law of physics in terms of spirituality that you need You know, just like you have male and female, you need a vessel for the light. If you want to be able to, in a healthy, spiritual, positive way, receive the light, you need an appropriate vessel for the light. And that, what is the most appropriate vessel? A loving heart. A loving heart and a good eye. If you've got a good eye for each other, You know, a lot of people give each other the benefit of the doubt, but we don't give God the benefit of the doubt. You have to have a good eye, not just for each other, you have to have a good eye for God as well. Right? Because what do we know? Do we know what God knows? The last time Reb Shlomo was in Los Angeles, I heard this story, which is someone comes up to a Rebbe and is so broken and says, Rebbe, this trouble. And the Rebbe goes, I, if only I were God. And then the person says, another trouble. And the Rebbe goes, I, I, if only I were God. And then the person says, another trouble. And the Rebbe goes, I, if only I were God. And the person says, okay, so if, if you were God, what would you do? And the Rebbe thinks and says, probably the same thing, because who knows better than God? <laughs> right? So... We've got to give God the benefit of the doubt, too. Because who knows better than God? So so when we have a loving heart and when we have a good eye for each other and when we're, when we're, remember the best defense is a good offense, when we're celebrating, actively celebrating each other's good moments, right? That cleanses the heart of negativity. And then we create a vessel to hold this highest light. You see, it's not just some paradox or, you know, um, spiritual irony that Mashiach is born on Tisha B'Av. It's proof of what I'm telling you, that it goes from Purim to Pesach to Shavuos and that God continues actually to get closer. He doesn't take take a right turn and move further away. He continues to get closer to the point where Mashiach is born on the ninth of Av. 
But now that he's getting so close, the light is so strong, if we don't have the vessels, it manifests itself as destruction. And that's what it is. That's why we're experiencing these hard times in these months. Because we need bigger vessels. And we're the last stop. We're the last stop. God has created the framework and has implanted perfection in the universe from the very beginning. But to reveal that light, we have to be on top of our game. You know, we're, so many of us are waiting for God to bring Mashiach, but, but God is looking to us. God would have brought him a long time ago. God is looking for us to be ready, for us to have those kalim, right? And I always tell you in the name of the Magalia Mukos, right? Kli, that's singular for kalim. Kli means vessel, right? Kli is an is a, an acrostic for Kohen Levi Yisrael. The first letters of that spells Kli, vessel, meaning when there's unity and love among the Jewish people, then that's the greatest vessel in the world to hold the highest light. Okay, we should all just just be in the best place. And I'll tell you one last thing. So I told you that when the month of Av comes in, we decrease in in happiness. And when the month of Adar comes in, we increase in happiness. But it's always about happiness. We're either increasing or decreasing in happiness, but it's always about happiness. So what do you do with Surfside? What do you do with Maron? What do you do with COVID? What do you do do with all these like tragedies that happen in the world? I'm, I'm just supposed to be smiling and giggling through them, right? Is, is that the Torah approach? Is that what I'm communicating to you? How do you balance them? What do you do? So one of the best things I ever heard from Reb Shlomo, what was from Reb Shlomo, and, and he said the following. He said, a person has to cry with the outside of their heart but be besimcha, be in a place of joy with the inside of their heart. You can cry with the outside of your heart, but the inside of your heart is a very special holy place, and only joy can be in that place. And when you understand that secret, that's, that's the secret of balancing these things, where you can be compassionate and you can even cry real tears because sometimes we have to, we, and, and, and we're called upon to cry real tears. But it's a way of doing that where we never, where we're only decreasing in joy, never leaving joy. Okay. And just one last thought. I heard um, in the name of Gedalia Fenster, he said, people are funny. Um, imagine, we should know from it, but someone gets into a bad car accident they go to the hospital and there's a process of recovery. They make a full recovery and at the end they throw a party. Now imagine a person um, is driving and they narrowly avoid a car accident and, and nothing happens. They're safe. And they forget about it two minutes later. Now, if you think about those two stories, who's the one who th- should throw the party? The, the person who didn't have to deal with this whole ordeal to begin with. They, they, they escaped the whole thing. They should throw the party. And yet so often we, you know, we're, we're, we're saved from various things and we, we just go ahead and we, we, it just slips our mind. We just forget about it. So I was thinking about that after this whole kind of situation, you know, with the, a potential, you know, there was a felon who was, you know, just a few houses away hiding from the police. It could have been, who knows what, what, what could have happened. And, and so kind of after we, we finished davening, I, I, I made a l'chaim to God, you know, just thanking him for saving us, but saving us in this wonderful way where we didn't even have to go through this, this whole, situation, which even if we were saved from, it would have been a, a tremendous, tremendous ordeal. And so, you know, it makes me 
think if we just want to kind of apply that idea to all of our lives in a in a in a very trenchant way, I think, um, as much as God is doing for us in a revealed good way, way more, way, way, way more, God is doing for us in ways that we'll never even know. You know, just think right now how there are enzymes in your body that are breaking down things, white blood cells that are, you know, just obliterating, uh, obliterating, you know, you know, viruses and things like that. You don't even know they're going on. How much is God doing for us from from the time we were born, making our organs grow? I mean, just it, it just it, it's it, it's endless, and. And not only do we not know about it, we'll never find out the details. But if we know what I'm saying right now, if we know this much, we can thank God, not just for the stuff that he's doing for us that we know about, but for the great overwhelming majority of things that we'll never even find out about. And when we do that, our consciousness expands and we we get closer and closer to a place of truth to be able to really attach ourselves with love. Thanks for listening. We do this every week, so join in again next Sunday for our new podcast where we explore the amazingness of life. And review us and send in any comments or suggestions. I'd love to hear them.